Because that's a fugazi. All right. That's a fugazi? How do you know it's a fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. What, it's a fake? But, yeah, I know what a fugazi is. It's all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? No. Fugazi. It's a uh, fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a... Fairy Coin Fugazi. Coin Fugazi. Coin Fugazi. Coin Fugazi. Coin Fugazi. All right, we're back with the man himself, the benevolent dictator of Bitcoin ABC. Reference implementation for Bitcoin Cash, which uh, basically bills itself, if you're unfamiliar with BCH, um, as the preeminent, um, I guess, heir to the peer-to-peer electronic cash system throne that uh, currencies like, or cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, BTC, uh, basically they're, they're going a, a slightly different route. They're, they're urging a kind of digital gold, um, maybe a banker settlement layer, you know, all this other stuff that they're doing. Uh, but uh, Amari is the uh, standard bearer. Um, he's the man to talk to when uh, when we want to get the skinny on what exactly is going on with Bitcoin Cash and and why it's important. Uh, but before we get into all that good stuff and high theory and economics and the state of crypto and why Bitcoin Cash is important, Amari, man, thanks so much for for coming on the show. I I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exciting times, unnerving times, weird times. Uh, I think the last time that actually I caught. Uh, an in-depth video. You've actually been doing more uh, interviews, I've noticed, outside of the uh, uh, Bitcoin Cash proper um, milieu or, or like little circle. Um, but the, the last time I saw you sort of address the Bitcoin Cash community was on the first um, during the third year anniversary. And you really went into kind of what is money and, um, and sort of contrasting um, our notions of it with Bitcoin Cash. And more recently, guys like um, uh, Bitcoin BCH CEO uh, Hayden Otto have been making videos, really kind of hammering that point. Um, so I think mm-hmm. it's it's probably a good time now to to I guess talk about it, bring it back up again. Um, why why Bitcoin Cash? Why this notion of sound money or hard money? Uh, sort of take us through your thinking as to as to why Bitcoin Cash is so important and so important right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think for, for the first time in history, we have an opportunity that, you know, many previous generations before have, have, you know, did not have. Um, if, if you look at the history of money, it's very much the history of civilization. And, and you can map, you know, all like, like there is always, you know, like all the details are different, but there is the same arc that goes into the story of money that maps into the story of pretty much every civilization. And it's the fact that, you know, so to, to start a civilization, you know, you start small, you start with some small town or, you know, like a village, something like that. And, and people in there are trading and they are quite successful and they grow and they get influence over the nearby towns and, you know, you repeat that for a few hundred years and boom, you get like, you know, the Roman Empire or, or something like that. Or the Ottoman Empire, or, you know, any of those big civilizations that have happened right. in, in history. And, you know, it's called the Roman Empire because it started in Rome, which was like not at all the city that it is today. It was like, you know, a very small town. Um, and, and they got all this influence around the whole Mediterranean. And... And so, so that's good, right? But as the whole ecosystem grows, the whole civilization grows, more and more people are economically interacting with each other. And using, you know, so usually you are using precious metal uh, to begin with, like, like gold and silver and, and copper and whatever. Uh, as the civilization grows, those tools prove themselves to be inadequate, right? Like first, they are not very easy in practice to manipulate and and you know you need to transport them around um 
you need like you know if you're if you're trading by boats for instance around the mediterranean then you know you need to bring a bunch of gold with you on the way in but then your your ship can sink or be attacked or whatnot right so the whole stuff is just not very practical at scale and so you start having more and more involved scheme around that right like you start trading notes that are redeemable for gold or whatever like you create abstraction around that initial source of money and you get it slightly, little by little, you get in the territory of fiat money. And fiat money is much better for those civilization because it's much more scalable. And so you can have exchange at, you know, the scale of, you know, the empire of the civilization. Like you can get much larger scale economic exchange. And, and that's very good economically for, for the place, right? So people might think that there is some devious game going on there, but, but there is not just, you know, past some certain scale, using hard money or at least the, the form of hard money that we used to have at the time it just doesn't work yeah so i like i like the way money. you're 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 phrasing that because i think when we talk to normal you know noobs or or whoever however you want to uh, um, paint them people outside of of uh, kind of wonky economic theory or crypto or, or, or otherwise um and you start talking about this stuff if you make it sound like a gra- uh, grave conspiracy that that's a really hard sell like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, and and really, it's not. And maybe right. you know, like maybe in some extent it is, but in general, it's not. And this is why it's repeating every time. It's because, like, if you were to run the New York Stock Exchange with people actually trading gold, it would be completely impractical, right? Like, <laughs> right, right. The whole stuff would just grind to a halt, right? And most of the modern economy would grind to a halt with it. That would be just a giant disaster. Um, and, and so, so you can argue that, you know, like maybe some, some group, you know, had some conspiracy to put the carpet toward them, you know, and, and push things in the direction that favored them. And, and definitively there are solid arguments for, for that. And, and in some instance it happened, but more generally, this is not something that is avoidable. And, and the conspiracy can only be about the details of it. Uh, if, if there is one, it's just like, once you have a certain volume of economic exchange, the whole hard money trading gold is just not practical. It's just like, you know, and so, so it would like, you know, if you, if you were to refuse to move to some sort of fiat money, you would just put a cap on how big and how prosperous the civilization could be. Right. And inevitably another society will invent it or, uh, see its usefulness and uh, and make their economy that much more efficient and sort of the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Out, yeah. And and they would effectively absorb you. They don't they don't even need to fight, right? So there is this hilarious scene. I think it's in the life of Brian, the movie, where okay. the people are complaining about the Roman, right? Like they are like, oh, the Roman Empire. They are they are the evil people, you know, that rule over us now. And and what did they ever do for them, you know? And one guy is like, oh, you know, like they, they build road. Yeah, yeah, but except the road, what did they do for that? Well, they, they build like sewers and stuff, and it's kind of nice before everybody was shitting in the street, right? Well, but beside the road and the sewer, well, you know, like they bring water with the aqueducts and stuff. <laughs> okay, okay, but except water and sewer and the roads. <laughs> and you see that at the end, you know, like even though maybe some people were against it, like most people were just happy to see the Roman come and, and just like bring their civilization because their shit was so much better than what everybody had at the time. Right. Like, like you know, like the, the, the conquer France, for instance, like in, in minus 52, I think something like that before, before Christ. Anyway, like France was like a bunch of tribe that was fighting each other and, and the biggest one where, you know, like, thousands of people right and suddenly you have those guys and they have roads and, and whatever and they bring water and they build giant buildings and shit you know it's just <laughs> it's just a no-brainer right like even if there is no war and you give people the choice like you know like do you want to live like in your small town with, right. with you know like where you have to shit in, in in your backyard or or do you want to live in that modern city with with flowing water and sewers and roads, right? It's, it's just not even a choice. <laughs> like, yeah. like the choice is, is made for you, really. Um, yeah, one of my favorite authors, and you you mentioned uh, France, 
uh, is Victor Hugo and in uh, Les Miserables. He, he, I just thought of this right now. It's completely irrelevant to the conversation. But um, he goes into, if you read the book rather than the, the musical, uh, watch or listen to the musical, there's, there's something like, I don't know, 13, 14 pages of the uh, kind of the intricacies of the uh, Parisian sewer system. And it sounds, you know, it sounds mundane. It sounds very unsexy, but it's some of the most interesting parts of that book. <laughs> and, um, but the point being that you get to complex societies through these, these basic innovations that, that limit frictions, that, that make things easier for people to transact. And yeah. um, I think the saying goes, half of every transaction involves money. Um, yep. You need something. Yeah. To so, so you effectively have to have fiat money, but you know that there is the dark side of that is that at some point later on, uh, people that are in charge of the money almost invariably end up overinflating it in, in some fashion, right? And uh, as a result, then you see the civilization lose a ton of its economic, you know, power. And, and effectively become irrelevant. Um, and to illustrate that, like recently I came across a, a graph of what is effectively like the world reserve currency over time. And, and you see, you know, like it was, it was the French one and then it was the British one and then it was, you know, <laughs> and, and each one of them lasts like less than a hundred years, right? Right. And, and and the just cycles through, and right now it's the dollar, and and you know who knows how long that's gonna last. But uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet that in a hundred years, if we're still around, which like for me it, it's starting to be uh, quite unlikely. But uh, <laughs> but if we're still around, you know, it'd be very surprising that the U.S. dollar is still a world reserve currency. That would be that would be a departure from from patterns that have repeated for literally million years. Yeah. And the fiat currency for all of its advantages. And I, I think it's very important uh, to set that up because uh, we have a tendency in the crypto space to sort of dismiss it. And that's a, that's a giant hurdle. I think for most normal people to go, okay, hold on. You want me to give up the money that's literally printed like, you know, the heroes that have been, you know, indoctrinated into me through public schooling and you want me to give up the entire financial system. Like that's a, that's kind of a big sell. So if mm -hmm. you, if you frame it in the sense that look, fiat makes a lot of rational sense um, and it's an evolutionary uh, process, but it's also subject to capture that the downside is, as you said, um, that they can overinflate, but it also allows it, it, so money becomes politics uh, mm -hmm. by by definition, and and I think this is something that socialists or democratic socialists or progressives or however you want to phrase them, um, they 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 do have a point that it is it is politics, like what you're holding in your in your pocket, uh, you know, unless it's uh, private, which it's nine times out of ten not. Um, <clears throat> You're, you're holding politics in your, in your pocket and you're trusting. Yeah, because effectively when you yeah. print new one, you have not like if you, if you issue no money, you don't have created new value, right? Like the same amount of good and services exist in the economy, right? So suddenly uh, you've increased the supply of money. Um, and so you have the same amount of good and services and value in general that is split into more units of, of dollar, for instance, if you print more dollars. And so each dollar is worse slightly less and so when you print new money it's effectively you taking a small portion of the value of the dollar that everybody is owning and putting you know putting in those new dollars that you printed and and then who are you gonna give those dollar to is is the very important question right and this is where the like a huge amount of politics comes in because if you are at the source of those dollar you are effectively functioning value from everybody and, and you know receiving it and it's a, it's it's you know arguably the most regressive of taxes um it takes from the poorest of the poor because a lot of the uh, the people uh, not really it tends to tax from the middle class 
more okay. because the poor they don't have that much money to begin with right so so there is not that much value from there that come to the I poor got you. though though it put them into a tough spot because the value of their wages decreases over time so so they have to fight you know they have to fight for their wages to increase on a you know like in a perpetual fashion right like they have to run to stay in place yes. effectively so so that put them in a tough spot in this way but most of the value is issued from more middle class people because poor people they don't have that much money and rich people they have most of their money in you know like they are rich because they did something usually so they own a company or they own you know like buildings or whatever and and those stuff are not inflated so and really the the notion of their investments of their wealth is to beat the inflation that the politicians are creating so in the united states historically it's been about two to three percent a year depending on who you talk to and so very wealthy very well connected people understand they've got to beat that whereas the middle class and others they're they're sort of caught in this weird uh this this weird cycle and when you have a political money it it really takes on a, a, a a significance that i don't know that should is a very bad word to use here, but I, I don't think money should have that, that it's like a commodity or, or anything else. It, it kind of needs to to function independently of politics. But um, I guess that's that's a, a, a kind of a heavier notion for, for another time. But I think it's safe to say that you've established that fiat is a natural extension of, if you know, an efficient economy. But that mm-hmm. it can, as I think most listeners will will already know, it can be captured. It can be, you know, as a, any political institution can, wielded in certain directions, whether we like it or we don't. But uh, and it, it ended up being that, right? Because say you are the government, and at some point you make some very bad decision, and you become like highly in debt, right? Um, like like you start a bunch of wars and whatnot, like. <laughs> I'm realizing right now that I'm describing what the U.S. has done over the past like right. years or so. But but um, really, like when I said that, I did not have the U.S. specifically in mind. Like if you look at the Roman Empire, the, the exact same stuff happened. For instance, like they started a bunch of war, it costed a bunch of money, and at some point, um, at some point, the state is heavily in debt, right? And and at this point, it become super super interesting for the state to start printing more and first because like that's a way to get more money to begin with but second because a lot of inflation is actually pretty good when you are stupidly in debt right because the value of your debt decreases right and also the first people to get those inflated dollars uh are the are the biggest beneficiary and as it kind of cycles through the economy uh the more screwed uh people people tend to get yeah. And it also insulates decision makers from responsibility, from accountability, because as you say, they can just kind of inflate their, themselves out of any trouble they, they find themselves, which is, I guess, kind of really apropos of, of what we're facing today. So we've got this, you know, pandemic. But they, they can't do that up to a point, right? Because at some point there is so much inflation that everybody loses their value and all the capital that has been accumulated by, you know, the civilization as a whole end up being vastly lost or vastly misallocated in the pocket of the people who inflated the currency. And, and at this point, the economy of the civilization doesn't work anymore and, and it shrinks and, and dies. Um, and, and that happened to every single civilization. And I think, I think it's, it's really an interesting time because the, the crankier Austrian school of economics guys, uh, libertarians, uh, free marketers, They've, they've sort of been sounding this bell since at least, you know, at least in the United States, popularly since the, the early 70s. And then, yeah, um, I think they probably overestimated how bad and how quickly it would get yes. bad. Um, like if, if you look at historical data, so things tend to be faster nowadays because we have, you know, more technology that makes things faster. But if you look at the Roman Empire, between the time it hyperinflated and the time it basically you know, like dissolved and was irrelevant, there is like 200 to 300 years that go by. And that's just it's... enough time to forget all the lessons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, plus after you get into the Middle Age and, and stuff. So, yeah. um, 
a lot of lessons were forgotten during that time. But, but I do think we're at something approximating that. I'm not going to say the Roman Empire falling, uh, but I think there's, there's something. Here's what I, I can at least say with 100% confidence. We're definitely in unprecedented monetary times. <laughs> and I've noticed that even people who ordinarily cheer deficits and don't mind money printing, even they're getting a little weirded out by it. It's a conversation that I'm hearing outside of the normal circles, which is what I was uh, trying to get. Yes. So our guys have yes, been so, talking so about So right now, uh, especially with COVID, you're like, with COVID, um, with the lockdown, especially, there has been a huge amount of economic damage that has been done. And to pally that, a huge amount of money has been printed. And so right now, right now it's very worrying, right? Because there is the price of a bunch of stuff that is actually going up, which makes no sense whatsoever because right. the economy is actually doing very bad. Um, so, so there is a, a complete decorrelation between the price system and, and the actual economy on the ground. And, and this is not surprising, right? Because the signaling that we use to know how the economy is doing, meaning like the, the money and the price system, um, is completely screwed up because there is a bunch of money that is flowing into the system. And so that, that completely, uh, you know, changed the signal, uh, which tend to make things worse, right? Because when you don't have the economic signal that something is doing bad, then, uh, well, you're not fixing it or not as much as you should. And so, um, and, and so we should expect, you know, some, some big crisis, maybe not the end of the civilization, because as we talked about, it takes longer than people expect. And we're probably going to be dead by the time, you know, our Western civilization is actually over. But it's certainly going to be like at least as bad as 2008 and, and probably worse. Yeah, and, and I, think, I, I think there's enough precedence that uh, I think the smart money, uh, pun intended, is really looking at it. And the, 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 the tricky part of this is that as, as the, those initial first dollars, pounds, you know, as it kind of works itself in euros uh, through and, and yen and so on through the world economy, those, those, those first tickets, those, those first digital um, deposits have given sort of a false positive, a, a false confidence. And it's like a slinky. It's got to work. Yeah, and, and it, it's not just the money, right? Because it's also, if, if you look at, at recent, you know, like big institutional investor, what they do over the past few months, you, you look at what they say and, and what they tell you is that we are buying whatever the Fed is buying or, or the local equivalent of the Fed, you know? Right. Um, and, and from their perspective, it does make sense, right? Because the Fed is the only stuff that has money right now. So whatever they're buying is whatever is going to go up in price. So you want to be buying that. But, but that also means that there is a complete decorrelation between what goes up and down in price and what the actual economy is, is looking like. And so you should expect a correction at some point. Right. And there's, there's the necessity and tradition of malinvestment where you know, we, can, we can see and it scares us that all this money is being pumped in the economy. And you know, even someone without economic training can go, that's, that's not good, at least. Yeah, this is malinvestment at the scale um, that has rarely been seen in Wednesday on civilizations. Yeah. And so you have this weird impact where politicians are insulated, at least immediately, from their decision making. So they shut down economies, whole world economies. And, you know, naturally in a, in a, in a freer market, uh, you know, there, there would be dev just complete devastation, but they print themselves uh, this, this pad and then people become sort of falsely con uh, confident and it sends the wrong signal. And maybe, and this is kind of the, maybe at least one of the lessons of 2008 is that all that funny money being pushed into say mortgages or wherever else uh, had businesses building too many houses, you know, too many cars and so on. And then yep. you kind of see this, this domino effect uh, going on. And I, I think we're, we're, we're in the weird spot where you and I and others are kind of sounding this alarm again. And we seem a little nuts, but less nuts than we might have seemed in 2006. 
But I remember in 2006, 2007, I was talking to people about that. And, and you, you were seen as a weirdo, right? I mean, you're just a complete... Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like completely out of the scope of, of what they were thinking about, you know. Um, but, but it's not as much the case now. Mm-mm. And we're hoping, I think, by this point in 2020, that crypto would have an answer. Yeah, yeah. So that's... I mean, yes and no. I mean, like BCH, this is what we're working on. But I see a lot of crypto is focused on, on yield farming and, and digital gold and whatever. And that's, all of that is, like in many ways, it's cool, but it's not civilization changing the way hard money that scale is. Because, because you know, that's, that's actually how you end that cycle, right? Like you want, you want something that has the good property of fiat money and the good property of hard money. Like that's where, to me, that's where something big is happening, something worth looking at. Everything else is cool, like that's cool technology. And, and there, you know, like there, there is definitely a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Uh, I don't want to... I don't want to denigrate that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm with you. But, but that's, not, that's not civilization changing, or at least potentially civilization changing. And it, it just doesn't seem to answer what looks to be inevitable or that is coming in the sense that in... Yeah, 2000- I don't see how yell farming is going to change anything <laughs> to the huge uh, economic crisis that is, is coming, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's definitely really an interesting phenomenon, right? Because they want to do those decks and they want to attract liquidity and they build like all those systems to attract liquidity. And that, that's, I mean, that's cool. That's interesting. I don't want to, once again, you know, like I don't want to sound like a crazy maximalist because I, I'm not really like, I got you. It, it's cool that some people are working on that and it's interesting stuff. And there is definitely use for that, but it's not, it's not where my attention is. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of yield farming and decentralized finance and uh, the sushis, the uniswaps and, and the comps and the balancers and all that stuff, it, it presupposes the system stays in place and that they have a firm foundation on which to jump off of. Um, it's all kind of built on a, on a weird house of cards and Bitcoin cash. Okay. So, Bitcoin in 2009 uh, was seen by a lot of us almost instantly as like, hey, here we go. This mm-hmm. is a potential answer. Uh, yeah. You know, and, but, but something, something happened along the way. And, and presumably, we, we cannot know, right? But presumably, the fact that it launched in 2009 is not completely random. Um, oh, no, no. <laughs> like, especially with the message that is in the Genesis block, right? So even though Satoshi never really made a statement of attention about that you know he never made it clear but it seems at least to most people at the time that it was you know like a proposed solution to to the badness that was going on economically yeah yeah uh, the chancellor and, and and all of that in the times of london yeah um, yeah so so you know we we had an 11 year head start here on, on, you know, and, and crypto like Bitcoin, BTC and some others have only known bull runs, right? They've, they've never known uh, a, a slogging market. Uh, we, got, we got a slight taste of that at the turn of this year uh, with some of the COVID stuff. And what was interesting about it is that the, people did not run to crypto. Um, no. And I remember remarking on that going, uh-oh. Um, they they stayed in, in fiat. And no, that that's something I've worried about uh, for for a few years, right? Because crypto has, has gone another way. Crypto is not really a solution to that problem anymore. Like at least most crypto. And when people are poor, because you know, like for whatever reason, they lose a bunch of money, many of their assets decreased in value. They need to sell stuff, you know, to to continue to go buy even the stuff that they would want to keep. And this is why when you see those crash, it's often not just one stuff that crashes, right? Even though there is one stuff, like let's say, you know, like there is a crash in oil or whatever, right? Whatever stuff, whatever asset crash in price. And you see other assets following, not because those other assets, 
there's something wrong with them that that you know make them less valuable some some you know suddenly but because people lose a bunch of money on asset a they need to start selling other stuff to cover their loss right and so they're gonna sell asset b and c and d uh, to cover the loss that they have in asset A. And if a lot of people do that, asset B and C and D are going to lose value as well, right? So so when something crashes really hard, it tends to pull everything down. And we, we, we with, so crypto basically just took off. So um, whatever its other faults, uh, Bitcoin became digital gold. And, the, and again, the banking settlement layer, uh, Ethereum wants to be kind of a world computer and, do a bunch of different things. Uh, Ripple just straight went for the banks and said, you know, love us. And they got Bill Clinton on board. Um, Tether, I'm still kind of wondering what Tether's about. Um, and then you kind of go through all the other maybe top 10 coins. Uh, some of them are, are you know, exchange coins. Um, you know, like you talked about yield farming is, is, I mean, there's at any one moment in crypto, there seems to be a billion dollars that can swing from here to there in a blink of an eye. Like they just, they're just chasing. I, my, my suspicions is it's kind of the same 20 people. <laughs> they just keep throwing money at the, because at, at the, it's always close to a billion dollars. Oh, did you see that XYZ new phenomenon? It's 700, 800 billion, you know, $800 million rather. It's always right around a billion dollars, but but it's probably, I, I don't know if it's always the same people, right? But there's probably um, some kind of effect, you know, like waiting reach 1 billion. Suddenly you have a new set of people that is looking at it. Yeah. And potentially it can set the price down or, or should have even higher. That's I don't a good know. Point. That's I'm a just good point. speculating. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm yeah. I, I can kind of see that as well. But the, the point is crypto's chasing something entirely. And as you, as you stated so perfectly, it's, it's, it's not trying to solve whatever problem it's set out to solve anymore. Um, and it's not looking at, certainly it's not looking at what we're talking about. I think mm -hmm. you can sort of tangentially hear it on the peripherals, right? Oh, we do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. Oh, and there's P2P cash, you know, somewhere in there, you know, <clears throat> we might touch it sooner or later, but they essentially want to become meta nets. Um, Bitcoin cash for three years, it it's you know it's it's that meme with the with the boyfriend looking back at the new attractive girl that's walking, but Bitcoin Cash has stayed with the peer to peer electronic cash meme, uh, the the medium of exchange meme. It really has uh, sort of yeah. Though um, I, I think I think a bit too much um, in the sense that medium of exchange is just one of the properties of money and. And to me, store of value is also very important. You know, like the, the, the revolutionary aspect of it is that you can do something that is a good medium of exchange that is also a good store of value, right? which, which you could not do before, right? And, and doing any one of those stuff, to me, is not very interesting. Doing both is very interesting. Because, and, I mean, like medium of exchange, we have Visa and, and MasterCard and, and whatnot, and... It's working great. I can pay online. I can pay any shops around. I can pay like you know contactless now even. Um, so so you know like the the medium of exchange stuff is is a solved problem technologically. But all those tech, um, um, you know, they don't protect your privacy. They don't have the property of cash, and they don't have the hard money properties. And on the other end, there are store value. Like you know, you can buy gold and and gold like you know two centuries ago. That much gold was buying you, you know, like a pair of shoe or whatever, and about the same amount of gold is gonna buy you a pair of shoe today. That the value is like extremely stable over a long period of time, and that's cool, right? But there is not a good tech that does both, and and I think this is where this is where something truly big can happen. And I I think you know. In the BCH ecosystem, people have been very focused on, on the medium of exchange aspect of it. And that, that's, that's great. That's fantastic, right? But that's half of the equation. Uh, the store of value aspect of it is also tremendously important. And I, I would argue that those two properties, actually, we, we call them as being very, very different. But deep down, they are the same, right? They are, they are about transporting value across time and space. Right. When you when like the store of value use case is effectively transacting with your future self, 
you're sending money to your future self. Mm. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not fundamentally different from a medium of exchange. It's just like there is a time component that is more important. And, and for something to be a good store of value, when you understand it that way, you need to, you need for it to be very predictable against long period of time, which BCH has not been good at. Like if, if we are honest, you know, like there is a revolution every six months. So um, there is like many actor that don't want to adhere to any roadmap and whatnot. So that, that makes it a really bad store of value. And I think the market is, is valuing it that way. Uh, to, to me, that's the number one reason why BCH is, is at that level of price rather than higher. Like that's, that's the number one lever we can act on. And can it be that in, in a weird way now, uh, because the, basically the, the ecosystem has, has left the medium of exchange meme, it's, it's kind of gone on to, to other things and um, it's sort of missing what you and I would consider to be the, the really the, the, the prize of crypto. Uh, the, the, the fun, like, in other words, we're not discounting mm-hmm. digital gold. We're not discounting um, DeFi and, you know, everything else that everybody wants to do, but um, the foundation that it has to be both medium of exchange and a store of value. Is this maybe the, the perfect time to like, it, I, I guess the question is, how do we get from... Well, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see where you're going. Yeah, with, with the current economic environment, uh, there is a huge opportunity right now. Like, the potential is, is right now. And that doesn't mean that the tech is not going to be valuable later, but you don't know. You know, like, sometimes you have a window of opportunity that are open and you need to seize it. And if you don't seize it, then you don't know when it's going to reopen again next. Right. And, and maybe by that time you have someone that is better than you that's going to seize it instead of you. So, so the window of opportunity is, is starting now, right? Like it's opening. It's opening. People are going to be very pissed at the financial system very soon. Uh, those that aren't already, it seems like a lot of people already are, but, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. Right. And so people are going to look for alternatives and, and that's our opportunity to present a credible alternative. Uh, if we don't, then, uh, you know, <laughs> if we don't, then it's gonna, not going to happen this time and, and we're going to have to wait for, for the next time um, for that to happen. And, and that can be, you know, like 10 years down the road. The last time was 12 years ago, right? So you don't know when the next time is. Right. And if, if they only know about Bitcoin, uh, the BTC side, that's going to be a rude awakening because once people start jumping into BTC, um, because it has the network effect, it has the name, it's the Nike, the Coca-Cola, the tissue, whatever, uh, the Kleenex mm-hmm. rather, um, the, the brand, they jump into that. Um, they're in for, they're in for a, a hellish time. So if they didn't like fiat, they're not going to like BTC. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, losing value. Yeah. Bit- Bitcoin yeah. being successful is, is like the worst stuff that can happen to Bitcoin because it, it becomes like the experience become truly horrible when that happens and, and it gets people to look for other stuff. Uh, yeah. And we saw that, we saw that in 2017 where we saw that in 2017. Yeah. A lot of people coming in from Bitcoin because Bitcoin became unusable. And so this is where we're at now. There is, there exists a coin that can take up that slack, that can fill in that gap. I can't think of a, I keep hitting the same sort of metaphors, but that, that can kind of, that, that, that can do. But the potential is there. We need to realize it, right? Right now, it feels to me, and, and maybe like this podcast is actually a good opportunity to refocus people. It seems to me that people are, are focused on stuff that are not very important. Um, this is like this is what's really important. Everything else, you know, we're gonna look back in five years and and be like, you know, like all those stuff that we find very important right now. Like what a what a pack of shit that was. Like it's it's completely irrelevant 
uh, Alphavit we did and turned out that it was not great and stuff that we, you know, stuff that we didn't do and we are very upset about it. Uh, or can I look back and, and realize that we don't really want them anymore? Like all the stuff people are talking about right now is not going to be super relevant in a few years. What's going to be super relevant is like, do we, do we say it's that opportunity that is opening or, or do we not? Yeah, it's a, it's a grand challenge. And returning to the fundamentals, going back to what makes things work, uh, that combination of, of having the, uh, the, the convenience and the quickness of fiat uh, with uh, sound money, you know, hard money properties, I think mm -hmm. is, is the value proposition of, of Bitcoin Cash. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm struggling. I was trying to find another coin that I could maybe contrast it with. And uh, each kind of has elements of those properties, but I don't think, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm not trying to suck up to you. I'm, I'm, I, I really do believe this, that I think only Bitcoin Cash, at least at the moment, uh, has that. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, arguably, you could, you could find others, maybe, but they're, they're not that much, right? Especially, like, in the top 20, almost none, uh, except BCH. Like, so, so you can't think of any other coin or any other project that uh, people should be focusing on other than BCH. And maybe no, especially if you, if you take into account the roadmap. Um, because right now there are some coins that have properties that are close to BCH, right? So if I think about Litecoin, for instance, in many ways, it's, it's close to BCH in terms of properties. But... Um, it doesn't have that roadmap that bring it to like, you know, less than two second confirmation time and, and huge scale, you know, and, and that's, that's, you know, what you need to be a very good medium of exchange at scale. Right. So, um, you definitely so need that, a, that set PCH apart. You definitely need a dedicated team to be able to kind of keep, uh, keep moving with uh, the punches and rolling with uh, tech dead and and the accumulation of uh, tech rot and all that stuff, um, but you need uh, with Litecoin. That's a that's a great example because I think that was sort of to head off the uh, the potential of something like a Bitcoin Cash happening because obviously it predates it. Uh, but that's an excellent mm -hmm. point. Uh, so there you have, and you often hear people who are maybe upset that Bitcoin Cash became its own thing and forked away from uh, BTC in 2017. Well, we already have Litecoin. Um, so that's a, that's a fantastic uh, uh, contrast there. Um, yeah, Litecoin doesn't really have a roadmap, though. Like, what they do is, is follow BTC and do the same thing and, and tweak a few details. And, and um, like, this is... They explicitly say that that they do that, right? It's not like you know, it's <laughs> it's not like it's a trick or whatever, right? Like there's just very little development happening on it, and and if you ask uh, Litecoin's leader, they're gonna tell you as much. Uh, so so I think I think this sets BCH apart, right? Like we have a plan to go board scale, we have a plan to go seconds in confirmation, and we have a plan to be hard money and we need to convince people that we are committed to that plan so that we can be a store of value. You know, there's this dude that, that put a huge amount of money into BTC recently. Uh, I, I can't remember his name right now, but you know, he, he was making the rounds of news in crypto media lately. And he was like, I don't care if, if you have like this great idea to do this and that and want to change the direction of the project there, like, you know, to do like better smart contract or, or to do like cheaper transaction mm -hmm. or whatnot. It's like, there is this project and, and we know where it is going. You, you know what it is and you know what it is not. And you know that the people within the project have a very strong commitment in, into like, you know, keeping it what it is. And to him, it doesn't really, you know, like what he says is basically, it doesn't really matter to him what it is. And even if it's the best, it matters that it's predictable over long period of time that you know it remains what it is doesn't make sense yeah and i and i remember because this is fairly recently he actually used uh, the bitcoin cash fork as as his, in his reasoning he said look it 
it fought off this fork and it, it retained this. So a lot of BCH. I, I think I think he was correct though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They're, like, they're gonna get I, I don't share mad. I don't share his view and his preferences, but if you you know like if you take one step back and, and look at it from you know high level perspective, on one side he has a currency, he knows that it's not the best. He knows that whatever property you are looking for, there is probably some crypto out there that does it better. He knows that this is not what it is about, right? He knows also that in 10 years, Bitcoin is going to be like, it's, it's very predictable what it's going to be. It's going to be like roughly the same stuff as now. Maybe they're going to deploy like Taproot or whatever, but it's not going to change the system in any fundamental way in, in, that is unpredictable, right? So what it doesn't want is people fighting over where this project is going. Because when that's happening, that means that it's not predictable where it's going to be in 10 years. That means that you cannot put large amount of money in it for 10 years. And I think that's where Bitcoin Cash can now learn from his example. And I think uh, more recently, he's, he's begun dumping some of the, <laughs> some of the coin, uh, which is a hilarious thing. Because I think after a while, I, I think you, you sort of get caught up, the, the investor gets caught up in that initial Bitcoin hype. And then he starts to see, you know, mempools clogging and he starts to see. I, I, think, I think you're nice. I, I think this is not what's happening. I think that when you are a big investor, as big as this guy is, and you are buying, you don't want to say anything. Right, you want to say something when you want to sell, right? Because you having bought hundreds of millions worth of BDC mm. is gonna do like a huge amount of news, uh, it's gonna make people bullish about BTC, and so you can sell them your BTCs, right? So, so I, I like w- when you see those, those big news from big players saying that they have bought a huge amount of BTC, I think you should expect them to sell in in the coming weeks next to that and they that's that's it's eerie because that's exactly what happened i mean at least but that um, happens every time right so it's not like it's a big surprise yeah and that's where i think the advantage is for bch um we don't have the lambo guys um to agree (laughs) but uh, but we don't want to reject them either right we just don't want them to let them run the show but if they want to come, you know. So it's it seems like it's the Goldilocks coin, right? It's the it's the it's the project with at least the the, the potential to to get it right, uh, moving forward, uh, making sure. I, I think this is the one that has the most potential. You're right, and that this is why I'm I'm still focused on BCH. And and but I think there are challenges. Um, and and the main challenge is that there is little understanding of the importance of those property that makes a good store of value, Boom. right? Because when you see people arguing, so, so the roadmap says Avalanche, and it's fine. And maybe you have this great idea that you think is going to be even better than Avalanche. And suddenly you start like a, a competition within the coin about your new ID. Now BCH is much less valuable. Now, you don't know if you're going to get Avalanche or that other stuff or two coins or whatnot, right? Like, suddenly the the future of DCH is unclear. And so choosing the worst option and committing to it is actually better than bickering about what option is best for a very long time. Yeah, and I I think we've seen that over over the three-year history Mm -hmm. of the coin. Uh, is that just when it seems to get traction, there's a new division, there's some new controversy, you know, whatever that is. And I'm not blaming anybody in particular. I'm just saying that it's... it's, it's yeah, it's, because I, I think there is this idea within BCH that, um, oh, there's those guys, they made that new cool stuff. It's going to be great. We need to promote that. Uh, because from the perspective of many people in that ecosystem, there is shit happening. Maybe those people, their idea is even better than what we already have on the roadmap, and therefore uh, we should explore that and and all of that, right? And that's great, and we should like promote that and tell everybody about it. That there is all those cool stuff that are happening on BCH. But the flip side of that is that um, uh, it makes BCH a terrible store of value, 
because what people are, are going to hear is that there is like, you know, the, the, the roadmap say we're going to do Flurb, but, but there are those other dudes and, and they want to say Blorg and as Blorg, according to them, is much better than Flurg. Uh, and, and it's going to make the coin so much better. But, but the people that, that are developing Flurg, they, they disagree with that. And, and, mm-hmm. and I don't understand any of it anyway. I don't really know what's a blockchain. Uh, I just don't know where this project is going and I'm not going to get in it. Right? It's it's maddening. It's it's infuriating. And as you as you're moving along and you're you're trying to set, uh, you're trying to onboard new people. It's it's uh, this you know when when Bitcoin Cash does get uh, any kind of um, of pub, it it generally gets it in a in a negative manner and seen as a kind of a contentious uh, space to argue a, a a giant debating salon. And so now it seems to be moving away from that. That there's going to be a uh, something of a finality that that um, you know the coin is moving forward, the project is moving forward, adhering to a roadmap, making sure that everything, I guess, kind of falls in line to hard yeah, properties. Yeah, that's but, what we're doing, and I think we don't have a choice because the opportunity is now. So we need to do that now. Uh, there's no like. like if if we continue doing that and eventually resolve all the stuff the way many people want it to, then we're gonna have missed the window of opportunity. So it doesn't matter if we resolve anything anyway. Like you know, I'm I'm not gonna wait like 15 more years, uh, you know, like doing something that that doesn't work. Um, the opportunity is now, so we need to make something happen now. Um, Boom! I you know I don't think there's much more to say at least at this point. I think you've made the case that uh, BCH is uniquely positioned, uh, that it's something to watch, that it, it's carving out for itself either on purpose or just the fact that no one else is thinking this way, um, mm. that it's both a store of value and a medium of exchange, that it's, it's going for the hard money uh, crowd, the, the, the sound money crowd, and it's doing so methodically. How can people kind of keep up with your work um, you know, what you're doing, how you're trying to move uh, Bitcoin Cash forward, uh, where can they find all things on Marisa Shea, Bitcoin ABC, and so on? Yeah, so there is uh, BitcoinCash.org, obviously. It's very much targeted to uh, non like for people that are not deeply into crypto. It's like, you know, I know nothing about BCH. I want to know what that is. I'm, I can go on BitcoinCash.org. So that's, that's the first. Um, I guess that's the first entry point for people that are, you know, a bit more knowledgeable and that want to know a bit more. We have a blog at blog.bitcoinabc.org where we publish, you know, like more detailed information for people that are already interested. And we also have a mailing list that you can register to on bitcoinabc.org. And for myself personally, I guess uh, uh, Twitter is probably going to be where I'm the most accessible. Uh, it's going to be Diddlenix uh, at Diddlenix on Twitter. Very cool. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. And I know you're a busy guy. I know you've got a lot on your plate, especially on the coming months. Uh, so um, I want to rain check. I want to make sure I can grab you in, in a few more weeks here and kind of check in on on where you are in uh, in that process of bringing okay. hard money to the world. Um, so best of luck to you, man, and, and thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah.